Well, good morning, spring breakers. How are y'all? I think it's funny, the week before spring break, everybody is so excited and pumped, and the week after spring break, everybody is just tired. <laughs> I guess that means you have fun, so that's good. That's good. Well, we're glad you're here. We're going to continue um, our series about the words that matter, the words that Jesus spoke from the cross, and I would like to read today from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he said this, he breathed his last. I read a story um, a little while back about a family that they lived in California, so they went to Disneyland, not Disney World. But uh, they had a three-year-old son, and they, were, they went to Disneyland, and they parked you know, in that huge parking lot, and they got out of their car and got in the tram, and they were riding the tram up to the gate, and the little boy was so excited. He was just grinning from ear to ear, and he was just, every now and then you could hear him squeal. He was just, he was so pumped. And so they, they finally got up to the gate, and uh, they, they lifted him up and got him off the tram, and he started crying. And he started just weeping uncontrollably, and they, they finally calmed him down enough to find out what was going on. And it turns out, he thought the tram was Disney World. <laughs> and, and so the dad put him up on his shoulder so he could see the Magic Kingdom and, and see that, you know, there, there is much more to come than what he thought. Luke tells us that there were two signs that accompanied Jesus' death. And the first sign was darkness. It was noon. And from noon until three, the sky grew black. It was the middle of the day. It was the time of the day that should have been the brightest, but instead it was the darkest. And, and, and so, you know, in the Hebrew Bible, darkness often is a symbol for God's absence or God's judgment. Uh, if you go back to the very beginning, the creation story in Genesis, uh, it was uh, in the darkness above the water, the Spirit of God moved. Um, it, it's a symbol of, of, of chaos. Um, when, when God sent plagues on Egypt uh, so the Egyptians would release uh, the Israelites from slavery, one of those plagues was darkness, where when it was supposed to be daylight, everything turned dark. And throughout the Hebrew Bible, the prophets warned that on the day of judgment, the sky would grow dark. So, so darkness was seen as a, a symbol of God's absence or a symbol of God's judgment. But darkness, you know, also some good things happened in the dark. Uh, there was that time when Jesus walked out on the water and calmed the storm, and it was night. When Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, it was night, it was dark. When Jesus had the last supper with his disciples, it was dark. And then the greatest miracle of all, the resurrection, happened in the darkness of the night or the early morning hours. It was still dark when that happened. And so I'm not, they didn't really know what to do with the darkness. And just like we don't really know what to do with darkness. We, we don't really do well with darkness, especially 
when it's a kind of darkness of our life or of our soul, not just the light. I read a story about a woman who said, I am at a happy church, unfortunately. <laughs> Someone overhearing said, what do you mean a happy church? And she said, well, everyone is always happy. The music's always upbeat, it's always happy. The pastor's always happy. He's always talking about how great the band is. He always talks about how awesome the church is and how wonderful it is to serve God. He's always grinning and giggling as if he's on some kind of drug. He is just insufferably happy. And then she said this. She said it's hard when you're going through a dark time to be in a happy church. And I think in church sometimes we focus on happy because we don't know how to deal with the dark. We don't know what to do with the dark. It's easier to be happy and just talk about the good stuff. Uh, nobody wants to go to a church that harshes their mellow, you know. And yet, every Sunday in church somewhere, somebody walks in who just found out they have cancer. Somebody walks in and sits down knowing that their marriage is on the way to divorce. Somebody comes in and sits down and they are hurting from pain inflicted on them by their children or their parents. And when you're sitting there like that, it's hard to sing happy songs. And people need to hear that church isn't just a place you go to be happy. It's a place we go with our struggles. It's a place we go with our disappointments. It's a place where we acknowledge the dark because sometimes it's dark and we don't know what to do with the dark. And the second sign that occurred was the curtain in the temple was torn in half. Now the, the temple was set up in these like concentric formation. Um, there was an outer court and it was called the court of the Gentiles. And if you were not a Jewish person, if you were a Gentile, then that's as far as you were allowed to go in the temple to worship God. And there was a wall and there was a gate. And then you went through that. The next court was the court of women. So if you were a Jewish woman, you were allowed to go into that court to worship God. The next court in was the court of men. If you were a Jewish male, then you were allowed to go that far into the temple to worship. The next court was the court of the priests. And you had to be a priest to go into that next court to worship God. And then in the center of the court of priests was the Holy of Holies. And the only person, the Holy of Holies was separated uh, from the court of priests by this huge curtain. And the only person that was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies was the high priest once a year on the Day of Atonement after he had sacrificed for his own sin, he could go into the Holy of Holies where he would plead for the forgiveness for the sins for the nation of Israel. And, and that was just one day, one time, once a year. And it was interesting because they were worried that if the high priest went in there and he wasn't you know, sufficiently, re sufficiently ready, that he might die because they believed he would be in the presence of God. And so they really did this. They tied bells onto his robe and they tied a rope around his ankle 
so that when they, they walked in and they um, could hear, when he, when he was moving around, they could hear the bells and they knew he was okay. If the bell stopped ringing, uh, they figured something had happened to him and then they could drag him out by the rope because they weren't allowed to go in there. So if somebody died in there, nobody could go in and get them. So they tied this rope onto them that they kept there just, just in case. Um, and when, when Jesus died, this, this curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the, the court, it was torn in two. And Matthew and Mark says it was torn in two from the top to the bottom, which I think is important because it was pretty tall. So God is the one who could reach the top. <laughs> so it was God who did the tearing from top to bottom. And so now everything was open and there, there was nothing else separating God from everything else. And, and, and so everything that separates us from God is no longer there. And that's the whole point of, of the curtain being gone. And, and there was such simple sentences Luke tells us about Jesus' death. With, with a loud voice, Jesus said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then Jesus died. And when he, when he said these words, he was actually quoting a psalm, Psalm 35.1. And, and uh, ultimately, the psalm he's quoting is a psalm of trust, because if you go back and read the psalm, the psalmist was somebody who was going through a very difficult time. He was suffering. He had friends who had betrayed him. But in the end, he was still able to, or even at the very beginning, he was able to say, Father, into your hands, or into your hands, I commit my spirit. And so Jesus quotes that psalm because he's in the same situation. He's suffering. He's been betrayed by his friends. He's going through these difficult times, and, and so he, he quotes this psalm, into your hands, except he adds the word Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And, and these, are, these are unusual words, really, they remind me of the committal that we preachers always say at graveside services. When we get ready to actually lower the, the, the casket into the ground, we usually say, and now unto Almighty God, we commit the spirit of our departed brother and we commit his body to the ground. And that's the part that goes right before earth to earth, ashes to ashes and dust to dust. So Jesus spoke his own words of committal. Jesus was the rabbi at his own funeral. And the reason that Jesus could commit his spirit to God in death is because he already knew how to commit his life to God in life. And that's the whole point of what I wanted to say this morning, is that Jesus could commit his spirit to God in death because he already knew how to commit his spirit to God in life. Because that's where it begins. We, we see Jesus do it, but it, it's hard. I mean, it's hard for us. We, you know, we, we commit our spirits to God, but then we take them back. <laughs> uh, we want to do things our way. And so instead of committing our lives to God, we want to just kind of do things our way and, and hope God will bless it. But when we spend our whole lives committing ourselves to God, then it's much easier to commit ourselves to God in death because we've already learned how in life. But it's, it, we're afraid to do that. I like what William Willimon wrote. Uh, he said, 
It's a fearful thing to commend our spirits to God because, well, who knows what God will do with our lives? If you've ever commended your life to God on a Sunday morning, only to be shocked and dismayed by what God commanded you to do on a Monday morning, then you know what I mean. And our only reassurance from God is the promise that God will never allow anything worse to happen to you than he allowed to happen to his own son. Now that's comforting, isn't it? So to me, the message is, is really pretty simple. If we want to be able to commit our spirits to God when we die, it starts by practicing now by committing our spirits to God while we're alive, by committing our lives to God, for God to guide and God to direct. We, that, that process starts now. It's not something we wait to do. And all these words that Jesus spoke from the cross, they really are words that matter. And they're words that speak to our disappointment and to our pain. They're words that we would do well to hear and to do. When we're overwhelmed with guilt and we cannot forgive ourselves and we beat ourselves up over something we've done or something we've said, we need to hear those words Jesus spoke. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And we're reminded that we are forgiven, that there is grace no matter what we've done. And sometimes we get caught up in, in living life and we think, you know, this is all there is. We're like the little kid on the tram. We think this is it. And then sometimes things don't go the way we want and we get all upset and we don't know what to do. And then we hear those words Jesus spoke from the cross. Today, you will be with me in paradise. And we remember this isn't all there is. There's more to life than just this. And then there, there are days we get frustrated and we don't know what to do and there are time, we go through hard times and we, we need some help and we remember Jesus' words. Here is your mother. Here is your brother. And we remember that from the cross, Jesus gave us to each other that we're the new family, that we're here to help each other and that we have brothers and sisters that we lean on that help us so we don't have to walk this journey alone. And then sometimes God just seems far away and we feel like God's nowhere to be found. And we remember that even Jesus said, my God, my God, why? And we're reminded that, that even in the midst of that, when we feel abandoned, that, that we find comfort in faith because we know that God loves us and that God does not abandon us. As It's like Pastor Pam reminded us last week. And sometimes, you know, we get comfortable just going to church and living our lives the way we want to and everything's fine. And then we hear Jesus speak those words, I thirst. And we remember that what Jesus was thirsting for was a relationship with us. What Jesus was aching for was for us to be able to live in relationship with God. And when we realize that, it shakes us out of our complacency and we find the strength to follow him more fully. And then sometimes we, we work ourselves silly trying to do all these things to earn God's grace and earn God's love and we hear Jesus say from the cross, it is finished. 
And there's nothing left for us to do. And we'll hear about that next week. And then sometimes we wonder if we can really trust God with our lives. If we really give our lives to God, can we really trust what God will do with them? And then we hear Jesus' words, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then we remember that we can trust God. We can not only trust God in death, we can trust God in life. We can trust God to lead us and guide us into the best life we could ever imagine. So these words from the cross, they, they speak to us when we're suffering. They, they also speak to us of, of comfort and courage and hope. And thank God life isn't always about suffering. Thank God that life also has joy and that there are wonderful moments in life. And there are times in our lives when things are going well and we are so grateful. Sometimes we pinch ourselves to make sure this is all real. And we think it could not get any better than this. And we're kind of like the little boy on the tram. <laughs> and then something happens that reminds us or that brings us to tears. And that's when God lifts us up on God's shoulders and shows us the kingdom of God. And we realize there is so much more than we ever dreamed. And that following God is so much greater than we ever imagined. Because God turns even our suffering into resurrection. And so we can trust God with our lives. Amen.